as I began to pray and seek the Lord over what follows a series like Scare Tactics, right? Like how do you, how do you follow up with a series where you just talked about fear and what I felt the Holy Spirit tell me was now that you've told them the tactics of the enemy, now we have to begin to prepare ourselves and how we're supposed to live. And then when, when fear is removed from our life, God replaces that with something. And that's the word that I want to be in your spirit all throughout the month of November because we need some boldness going into the next season of our country. Amen. The next season of this transition that's taking place in our world. What the world needs is not Christianity timidness. is not Christian, like Pastor Jim would say, Christianity light. No, it needs Christianity to its fullest. It needs the church being Jesus with skin on to our world. And I couldn't think of a better word to launch us into this series uh, other than the word boldness. And we're going to take the communion tonight and I'm going to introduce this series that we're going to be in for the next couple of weeks and I encourage you to be a part of this entire experience. We're going to be in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Acts chapter 4. We're going to be in this entire series hanging out in this book. And we're going to be talking about this word boldness from the early church. Because i got to be honest with you. You and I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the boldness of some 12 guys who... who carried the cause who saw a risen savior and began to be transformed and then transform their world and it took the word boldness in their spirit and tonight as we sit at the table of the lord here in a few moments and remember what christ did for us and his boldness to come to this planet shed the skin of, of royalty and come down as an infant and take his life for ours in exchange for our sin, for his grace and forgiveness. I cannot think of a better word to describe that than the word boldness. And tonight we're going to just unpack very quickly because tonight's we want to get back into worship. We want to get back into God's presence. And not that we're not in his presence, but we want to give adequate time to worship tonight. Aren't you glad you'd come to a church where we give time for adequate praise and worship, adequate time in God's presence? I am. I'm thrilled with that. I think it's bold. In your notes, if you're following along, I put this at the very top. We're going to talk about this word all month long, so you got to know from my perspective what I believe boldness is. And boldness to me is simply this. It is behavior born out of belief. I can operate in true biblical boldness when I understand what I am believing and when I know that my boldness is not of myself, when I know my boldness is not, it doesn't come from anything human speaking, it comes from something outside of myself supernaturally when I believe that Jesus has brought me to life, amen, we sang that a few moments, I believe that and because I believe that it infects my behavior. I'm not afraid of going to H-E-B and I'm trying to teach my daughter this and she's reminding me uh, how to do this, but I'm not afraid to go into H-E-B or Walmart or, or any place for that matter and see someone who's hurting and approach them because I have something inside of me that I know this world needs. What causes me to do that is not I'm crazy or the fact that I'm, you know, nuts. Some of you are saying, yeah, it is because you're nuts. It's not. It's the boldness that I believe I have received because I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and the same power that rose him from the dead lives in me and that affects my behavior. That's what I believe boldness is. That it's when, when, when my behavior matches my belief. And some of us, we believe great things about God, but it doesn't show up in our behavior. Boldness is when those two things line up. When my belief and my behavior line up, when I believe that God's word says that I'm more than a conqueror and I start behaving that way, boldness shows up. 
We're going we're gonna to discover that through the book of Acts and the early church. What you believe will determine how you behave. We know this. This is a psych 101. What you believe, what you believe about yourself, right? If you believe that you're not any good, if you believe you're not smart enough, if you believe you're not this enough, then all of the things that follow are as a result of that belief. Then maybe I can't start the business. Then maybe I can't finish the degree. Then maybe I can't talk to her because she's outside of my league, right? You know, you need to believe in yourself. And then your behavior will happen and you'll be able to go ask your phone number or something, all right? What you believe determines how you behave. Worried people think, what if? We talked about that last series. What if? People of faith who have boldness say, you know what? Maybe God that is inside of me can actually do something with me. Boldness, all right? And we're going to unpack this word. We're going to be in three uh, four different weeks tonight. We're going to talk about amazing boldness. We're going to see the amazing boldness that I believe God has for you and he represents and models it in the early church. But we're going to talk about not just bold, amazing, but we're going to talk about bold prayers. Because I believe God wants to transform some of our prayer life in this room. Amen. We've not been given a spirit of fear. Great. So I should not be afraid to pray bold prayers. Some of us pray prayers like, God, bless me. You know, God, protect me. And he's like, I, dude, I got that with my hands tied behind my back. Give me something a little bit more challenging, right? God's like, l- l- let, me, let, me, let me have access to your marriage. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on, guy. That's, that's a little bit too bold. Uh, I got that one. No, I think God wants to challenge us in our prayers. I think God wants to challenge us in our speech and how we communicate and how we talk. Not, not so much that we're, we're hurtful with our words, but that we're bold in what we say. This world is, is, is needing the church to be a lighthouse. Not a confusion or maze or mirrors. It needs to be a lighthouse. And I pray that God was going to, through this series, God's going to begin to give some of us boldness in how we talk to one another. Maybe we don't know how to talk to each other in love. I pray that God will pull boldness out of us in how we communicate to one another. And then finally, bold obedience. <laughs> that's going to be the one everyone misses because I use the word obedience in that, in that title, all right? Obe- anyway, talk about obedience at the church. They're like, nah, I don't need to obey. That's somebody else, right? Uh, but we're going to talk about what it means to be bold in our obedience. As I train my children, uh, slow obedience is not obedience in our house. If I ask you to do something and it takes me 15 minutes to get to convince you that what I'm asking you is a good thing to do or that I need you to do it, then you're not obeying. And we say in my house, uh, the lack of obedience or disobedience leads to pain in my house. That's what we say. Disobedience leads to pain. Do you want pain? I don't want pain. Then obey. What's obey mean? Obey right away. That's obedience. So we're going to talk about bold obedience. But tonight we're, gonna, we're just going to sit around the table of the Lord and talk about om- amazing boldness through one person. One person you're, you're probably familiar with if you've been in church long enough or maybe he's a new character to you in the Bible. But his story starts in the Gospels. And you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are eyewitness accounts of this person, Jesus. And we're going to find out what amazing boldness looked through this character. His name is Peter. Now, when you think of Peter, he's kind of a hothead in Scripture. He's kind of the loose cannon a little bit. And you may say, that guy's got lots of boldness. But when you really dive into his character, he's usually characterized as the guy that was timid and shy and a little gun shy. Uh, matter of fact, when, when the disciples are hanging out and they're watching at the end of washing Jesus' feet and Jesus says, I'm going to die. And Peter's like, no, I know you're not. I'm going to die first. And you're not going to. I mean, he, he, he had this puffed up spirit about him. But we know what happens a couple hours later when Jesus is put on the cross and the rooster crows, Peter is the one running. 
he's denying God even to a little schoolgirl who says, aren't you one of those Jesus followers? Yeah, no, no. He even cusses a little girl out, right? That's how lack of boldness Peter has. But then something happens. Yeah, I apologize. Ushers, go ahead and pass out communion. I should have done that at the beginning. I apologize, guys. Ushers, pass out communion. Thank you so much. Uh, sorry, I'm, in, I'm into the press preaching and I forgot to pass out communion, but let's go ahead and do that now. Uh, here at Westover Hills, we practice open communion. You can take it tonight. You don't have to have gone through a course or a class. The only requirement which we're going to get to in this message is simply this. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You may be looking at that communion as it goes by and go, I don't know if I will quantify myself as knowing him. I would suggest take a communion, and we're going to deal with that in a few minutes. But it's open communion. Feel free to take a communion tonight. Anybody and everybody who's here, uh, you don't have to be a member of this church. We practice open communion, so please be a part of it. Here's Peter. He's known as the guy who denies Jesus three times the cross. Jesus comes back afterwards. He's like, Peter, I forgive you, right? It's going to be all right. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Uh, and, and Jesus has to go through this whole process of, I forgive you, Peter. It's going to be all right. And then a couple of, couple of days later, uh, Jesus is ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit falls and something happens in Peter's life. And I pray tonight that through this series, something will happen inside of you. That same Peter that denied Christ in this whole moment, denies him, says, I have nothing to do with him. I, I, I curse God. I'm not, I, don't, I don't have anything to do with what he's done or who he is. A few pages later in Scripture, in the book of Acts, he stands before a large group of people who don't believe in anything that has happened, who are going to be very casual in the, in the reason why Jesus has been crucified, stands before them and says, guess what? He's alive. And every one of you, you need to know him. And he's changed my life. And the Bible says 3,000 people at that moment come to know who Christ is because of his boldness. And all of a sudden, there's something that takes place in Peter's life. Here I want to tell you, you may have walked in here with lack of boldness, but you can walk out of here filled with boldness because that's exactly what happened in Peter's life. You may say, it's not for me, it's for you. You're, you're, you have access to this as a follower of Christ. And here's the story we're going to be in tonight, really quickly, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 4, verses 8, 9, and 10. But let me set this up. So Jesus is gone, the Holy Spirit has fallen, and the disciples are doing crazy stuff already. I mean, people are being healed. Peter and, 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 uh, and John are walking, and this guy's there. He's a beggar. He's been a beggar. Everyone knows he's the beggar that's been there for 40 years. He's been, he's been this guy. He's lame. He's not lame because he's 40 years old. That's what some generation, you know, our generation is like, he's lame because he's 40. We know why he's lame. Uh, no, no, he's not lame because of his age, okay? He's lame because he can't walk. That's what that word means in Scripture. Some are like, that dude's lame. We know why he's lame because he's old. No, that's not why. He's a lame beggar. He has not moved. He's been in that same spot. That was his spot. He's a lame beggar. He's been there his whole life. All of a sudden, Peter walks past him. The guy says, hey, man, I've been here. I'm a beggar. Here's silver and gold. I need something. Come on, put something in the can. And Peter looks at him and says, I, well, we're broke. Silver and gold have I not. I don't have any gold or silver. I ain't got even, my watch is a Folex, right? It's not even real. I have nothing to offer you of monetary value. But he looks at him and he says, but what I do have change your life. He says, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And that's exactly what happens. This dude gets up and he walks and everyone sees him walk into the tabernacle, into the temple. And everybody's like, oh, that's that lame guy. He's no longer lame. 
He's been, look, he's with Peter. Look, he's walking. Everyone knew. All of a sudden, this buzz starts to happen in the temple. This guy's been healed. Here's the story. They, they got around Peter, and they're like, no, this is, no, no, this is not possible. We thought we killed Jesus. We thought we squashed this whole thing. And so they arrest him. They send the captain of the, of the Sanhedrin to go arrest Peter. He's been arrested, and they bring him before the Sanhedrin, and they circle around him, and they start questioning him about what's going on, and I thought we killed Jesus, and how is this possible? And this is the response. Peter is surrounded by his enemies in this moment. Here's what happens in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the what? The Holy Spirit said to them, these leaders, rulers and elders of our people, Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? They had asked him a question. How did you do this? By what authority, by what name did you do this? That's the question they asked in verse 7. And he says, do you want to know? You really want to know? Verse 10, let me clearly state, you can hear it in his tone. I mean, you can just hear the Holy Spirit want to make sure we may got his tone. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel. Get your cell phones ready. You're going to want to tweet this. You're going to want to Instagram this. Get ready. I want everyone to hear this. That he was healed by the what? Powerful name of Jesus Christ. Who is he standing in front of? The Sanhedrin, the very group of people that cursed the name of Jesus. This is a bold statement. He says, it's by the name of Jesus. And then just because the Holy Spirit's with them, just to rub insult on the whole thing. He goes, the Nazarene, the man you crucified. Ooh, who, who, you pointing that? You know, they're all like, oh, oh, this is getting personal. But whom God raised from the dead. He's speaking to a bunch of Sadducees who the Sadducees don't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So not only is he standing in front of his enemies who have arrested him for healing somebody, he says, I healed him in the guy you crucified. That guy, I healed him in his name. Uh, what are you going to do about that? And I want you to tell everybody, can everybody hear me? Hey, yeah, don't close the door, keep it open. Hey, you guys, did you hear what I said? Jesus, it was by Jesus. He's just being bold. And then they say, whom you crucified, but has been risen from the dead. I mean, just smacked him in the face again. You, you, you think we believe in resurrection? Just, you, you got to see the theme of what's going on in this conversation with him. They didn't even believe in resurrection. He says, yeah, and he's alive. Amen. That's boldness. And in verse 13, and I love this, and this is where we're going to hang out tonight a little bit longer. 13, it says, the members of the council were amazed. They were amazed, astonished, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that these were ordinary men. Hallelujah. I am so thankful that is in Scripture. Because that gives hope for me. Because I'm just an ordinary dude. Some of you get, you're you're like, I'm glad because that included me too. With no special training in the scriptures, and this is my favorite part, they also had recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So really quickly, some bold facts. Really quickly, and we're going to wrap up. I got about four minutes and we're going to wrap this up and take communion together. Some bold facts about boldness that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to deposit into life. Number one is this, God gives ordinary people, ordinary people, extraordinary boldness. If you're in this room, you're like, you know what, I'm just a nobody, good. That's exactly who God loves to go hang out with and deposit this extraordinary boldness in their life. 
So if you're saying, I'm just, I'm just a regular old dude, I'm nobody special, I'm telling you right now, that's God's perfect ingredients for your life to just come and deposit. I love this. The leaders could see that Peter and John were ordinary men. I know this is like just one of those weird Bible facts, but you know that the word that they use for the word ordinary, it's not in your notes, but you can write it down just because it's fun, literally means idiots. It literally means that in the Greek. That's the best translation of that word in the Greek is idiots, that these idiots had been around Christ. I love that because I can sometimes be an idiot and I need Jesus to step in and fill the void between my idiocracy and his holiness, right? I love that that's the word that the Greek used. The Holy Spirit said, hey, anybody who always who feels like they're down and out, who feels like they're not worthy, this is for us. We were no, there were no special people. God loves to deposit extraordinary boldness on ordinary people. So before you count yourself out and say, not me, I'm not, I haven't been to Bible school, I don't, I don't know how to stand up for Christ, I, I've not been formally trained, I'm not a chaplain, I haven't gone through, you know, discipleship 101, 201, 301, 401, let me tell you something, all of those things are powerful tools that God wants to use in your life, but I'm also here to tell you that God loves to use ordinary people. Every, every day, single moms, God loves to use you. Because the enemy has already written off you, already written against you. God loves to use uh, uh, broken lives. God loves to use people that are down and out. God loves to surprise the world with his extraordinariness with ordinary people. So don't count yourself out. I can't be bold. I can't do something great for God. I bet you Peter looked at John and said, how did, how did we get here? Why are we the two standing right now getting to do this and embarrass these guys? Because this is awesome. This is Nicodemus stuff, and we get to do this? Sweet. There are different ways to be bold, of course, but God loves to give ordinary men extraordinary boldness. How can you be ordinary and bold at the same time? Listen, it could be simply this. Instead of, instead of bending to culture, you're going to stand against culture. You're going you're to go against the grain a little bit. When the world says, dress however the heck you want to, and modesty is the way you need to embrace, you can say, I'm going to be bold by the way I dress I'm not, I'm not somebody, I don't have a platform, I don't have a, a, a podium to just declare, but I'm going to declare holiness in my life by the way that I dress, by the way that I talk, by the way that I treat other people. All of those in our culture today would be identifiable as bold. You're different. You stand out. Everybody else treats me like, uh, like I'm a, a rug to walk on, but you respect me. That's bold in today's culture. Boldness can come in many different forms or shapes. Maybe the person says, I'm not going to sleep around until I get married. That's bold. Hey, that's bold. You'll get, la- you'll get, you'll get, you'll get made fun of. I- I'm going to choose to stand for purity in my life. Yeah, that's bold in today's culture. Amen. Maybe you're, you're a, a businessman and you're going to say, you know what? That deal would have been perfect for my family financially. would have set me up. But because there's a little bit of crookedness in it, I'm going to stand against it. I'm not going to go through it. That's bold. <laughs> People might call you an idiot. And you can say, thank you. That's a compliment. You know that the Holy Spirit used that word to describe me too. You know, that's awesome, a compliment. That means God, ha- I'm primed for God to do something special in my life. So first is God gives ordinary people extraordinary amounts of boldness. Number two is that your boldness will amaze people. It will. It'll amaze the world. Say how? Because you're going to stand out. Look at this. Members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of John and Peter. And I just want to ask this question. I put this in your notes. Just kind of a scale. Sometimes this helps me just kind of, okay, where am I at? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? But let me measure where I'm at. I put in your notes there a scale from 1 to 10. On a scale of 1 to 10, how amazed are people at your boldness? I want you to do it. Like, really, I want you to measure yourself. 
How amazed at the boldness that God has deposited in your life are people because of the way that you live, because of what you say. And right now, at the beginning of this series, it may be a one. You may even draw a negative one. Right? You may say, I'm so afraid that I'm going to get fired for standing for my faith. I'm so afraid that I'm going to lose this relationship because I stand on something biblical. I'm so afraid that I'm not going to get the opportunity. I'm not going to rise. I'm not going to get the counsel. I'm not going to get the whatever because of my faith and my belief. Maybe it's all the way at a negative one, but my prayer is that by the end of the series, you're going to come back to this first night and you're going to say, no, I have moved from a one to a four, from a four to a seven, from a seven to a ten. I am boldness because I want the world to be amazed, not by me, but because of Jesus in me. That's the point. Because of Jesus in me. And that's literally the last point in your notes. Listen, the spiritual boldness doesn't come from knowing a lot of scripture or knowing a lot of, you know, Christianese or knowing a lot of how to, you know, get involved here, get involved there, or knowing which parking lot to park in so you get out first. Like the, 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 the boldness that comes that I'm talking about tonight doesn't come from human knowledge. It comes from knowing Jesus tonight. The very thing that could be missing and why you're not able to even take communion tonight because you don't feel worthy could be the introduction of knowing Jesus in your life. Know him. By knowing him, by, how, do I, how do I know Jesus? It's, it's really simple. The, the Bible, let me just say this. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, 14, they recognize that these men had been with Jesus. Boldness for boldness sake is not the goal. Boldness from Christ's sake is the goal. So how do, I, how do I know Christ? If, that's where bold, if he's the source of boldness, how do I know him? Very simply, you spend time with him. And when you spend time with Jesus, it builds your faith. And we've already talked about that. When my faith is strong, my behavior begins to change. And guess what? The results of those three things leads to boldness. And then I get a little bit more bolder with Jesus and spending more time with him. What do you mean you don't watch uh, Breaking Bad on Wednesday nights, you come to church. What do you, what do you mean you don't watch uh, The Voice on Monday night, you go to your prayer closet? What do you mean you don't? You, your boldness will begin to go and affect the time you spent with him because it'll take boldness to spend five minutes with him in today's culture and you'll, it'll, it'll fester into your time and then it'll fester into your faith and it'll grow and then your, your, your boldness will just enlarge again and then what happens, you say, I'm gonna be bold, I'm gonna spend two hours with Christ tonight and it just begins to be this cycle that happens in your life. It starts by just spending time with him. That's where your boldness is going to start tonight. How are you going to be able to stand, young adults, in today's culture? How are you going to be able to still be stand, like Galatians says and Ephesians says, to stand firm, excuse me, then? How are you going to be able to do it? Spending time with the Savior. That was the source. These men knew. This guy, how do people know you've been in time with Jesus? Was it the way Peter was dressed? Did he have like a little pen that's like, this guy had been with Jesus, you know? Did he have like a sticker on his, you know, how did people, how were they able to identify? That's been my question. That's gonna, we're going to answer that through this series. How did, how did they know? How did they have enough to say, I charge you, those guys have been with Jesus? Was it the way he talked? Was it the way he walked into the room? Was it the way he looked at them with love and compassion? I don't know. But I know this, what it says. They knew because they had, been time, they had spent time, they saw Jesus in him. How much Jesus do you see in you? Tonight as we remember what Christ did on the cross for us, his whole point of coming to this earth was to empower us, to bring us into a relationship with God and make things right that were broken. 
And then he charged us, go do it again. Go tell the world, like Peter and John. Go, t- go tell everybody. And that takes boldness. And so tonight, as we sit at the table of the Lord and we remind ourselves, Christ, do, do people see you in me? Do people see you, Jesus, in my heart? Do people see me? Am I, am I, would I be convicted? Would I be sentenced based on whether I'm in a relationship with you? Would, would people convict me and say, yes, that guy, he's guilty. I can see Jesus all over him. She is. She's guilty. I can see Christ all over her. God, would there be enough to convict my heart? Would there be enough to convict me in a legal court? Would there be enough evidence against me? Come on, in this moment before we take communion, the Bible says to, 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 to go before the table of the Lord with the reflective heart, to search our hearts. And here's what we're searching. Do we see Jesus? Do we, do we see him? Or do we see the fear that we've been hiding behind? Do we see the, the shame? Do we see guilt? Do we see arrogance? Do we see pride? Do we see failure? Do we see hurt? Do we see pain? Do we see, what, what, what is it? Just for a moment, would you just bow your heads and before we, we take communion and just take a second and say, God, are you there? Do I see you? Are you visible in my life? And if you're here tonight and you're saying, I don't see him. It's dark in here. It's empty in my spirit. It's empty in my heart. Or I see brokenness. Right before we take communion, this is appropriate. Right before we take communion, all over this room, the Bible says to examine our hearts. Can we do that? Can we just say, Jesus, search me. Search me. I invite you into my life. If you're not here, I make a room for you. I move aside all the other stuff. Matter of fact, I don't just move it aside. I exchange it. I say, Lord, I give it to you. All the sin, all the hurt, all the failure. You came to this earth. You died. These elements represent that I give my life to you that I may be a dwelling place of you. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Do what you did in Peter. Let there be that, let let you be that something that changed. Let it be you, Jesus. Let it be you, Jesus. Father, all over this room, just begin to speak to hearts of women, men and women, Father, and young adults, and maybe even teenagers that are in this room. God, just begin to speak to us. Are you there, Father? Do we see you? And if not, we invite you into this moment. Be the Lord and Savior of our lives. On the night he was crucified, before before his body was ever broken, he looked at his disciples and said, I want you to remember this. And they're like, what are we remembering? Nothing's happened yet. And Christ boldly proclaimed what was about to happen. And the disciples boldly followed it. And he said, this, is my, this bread represents, and he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you so you don't have to be broken anymore. So we're gonna take the bread and we're gonna remember this tonight. We're gonna hold the bread in our hand and we're gonna pray. Father, in Jesus' name, for the brokenness that's in this room, for the brokenness of those watching online, for the brokenness that this represents. Lord, your body was broken so ours would be made whole. So we would have access to wholeness, not just wholeness of body, but wholeness of mind, wholeness of spirit, wholeness of heart, wholeness of dreams, wholeness that God, all of us would be complete in you, no longer broken off. And so tonight, 
we're reminded that you were broken so we won't have to be. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says they broke the bread and they took what you take with me. In the same way they took the cup, the communion, the blood, the sacrifice of Christ, his body broken but his blood shed. The scripture says in the same way he took the cup and he said, remember, this is my sacrifice. This is why I came. Your sin, my life, an exchange. So would you pray with me as we take this cup and remind ourselves that it's his sacrifice. It's This is what causes Jesus to be in us, his sacrifice on the cross, our acceptance of his gift of salvation that no one should boast. It's not our works that makes us saved. It's his work. Father, we take this cup which reminds us of your sacrifice on the cross, your blood shed for me and for us. And we're reminded that without your blood shed, there's no sacrificial sins. Uh, There's no sacrifice for my sins. But because you died, but you rose again and your blood was shed, Father, I I have forgiveness of sins. I have access to the Father once again. And tonight, I boldly embrace what this represents tonight. Not just juice, but it represents I believe in you and you believe in me father so we take this together in jesus name we pray amen would you take now would you boldly stand tonight as we step into a time of worship as we step into a time of worship would you take one step closer to god tonight maybe the first set of worship you kind of just hands in your pocket shrugged looked around a little bit but tonight tonight can you take one step closer can you be do something bold that maybe you've not done in a really long time or ever in your worship tonight just one more time father in this room begin to boldly move begin to pull us if you want to come down to this altar and worship tonight it's available to you and maybe that's a bold move for you you've never done that before what are people going to say listen it's not what they say it's what the holy spirit begins to speak to you It's what God begins to share for you and in your heart. Would you boldly move tonight as we move into a time of worship again? Pastor, lead us.